0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. This week, uh, we're, we're actually, we finished the series. We're going to be starting another one next week. Uh, so kind of, today is in kind of an uh, in-between series week. And we're going to look at this idea of worship. And our launching point, our kickoff point, is actually a verse in 2 Corinthians. And uh, <coughs> can we all read this together? It's one verse. Uh, so I think, we can, I think we can handle it. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, for the chance that we have to dig into a little bit and explore your communication with us, how you have revealed yourself to us. Father, how we then can relate back to you. So, uh, Lord, for the next few minutes, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us as you would uh, deem appropriate. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, 2017, the Pew Research Center came out with a study. I don't know if some of you may be familiar with them. Um, but they asked this question um, to the, the, was, uh, a few thousand adults who go to church. So they asked them uh, to identify why they go to church. Um, but they actually had to celebrate these are very important reasons kind of important, not important and so there was a, um, a scale if you will that they had identified and so you could, pay, you could have multiple um, selections so, so interesting so the people who go to church at least once um, or, or twice a month that these are the reasons why they go to church so 81% of the people said so they go to church to become closer to God which is a, a good idea Sixty-nine percent, um, they go because they. So the children will have a moral foundation. Another you know, good idea. Sixty-eight um, percent said to make me a better person. <coughs> Excuse me. Sixty-six percent said for comfort in times of trouble or sour sorrow. Fifty-nine percent, I find the sermons valuable. I really hope that one to be a little higher in percentage. Fifty-seven um, percent said to be part of a community of faith. <clears throat> So what's wrong with these responses? It's a trick question, so I'm glad you didn't answer right away. There's nothing wrong with these. These are really, really good reasons, aren't they? These are good reasons to go to church, to become closer to God, For, to their kids do have a moral foundation. Hopefully they're getting that at home and their church supplements it, but there's a connection there, absolutely. Times of trouble and sorrow. So these are all really, really good reasons for why someone would want to go to church but there is a common thread that runs through all of them. Can anyone think what it is? This is not a trick question. This is an honest question. So any thoughts? It's I. They're all about me, aren't they? When, when, and so it's, again, these are really good reasons, but we even call it here at Grace Covenant, we actually call this a worship service. So in that context, we really have very little to do with it. It's about God. Worship is about God. It's not about us. So let's take a little bit deeper look at that verse that we looked at here a minute ago. Tim, if you could pull that back up again, please. Thank you. A um, couple thoughts here. And we, you know, with, who with unveiled faces. Um, Paul here in his letter is making reference uh, to something that happened in the Old Testament. And actually earlier on in this chapter in his letter as he's writing, he's referring to Moses. Um, Some of you remember this story um, from your Sunday school days or just from your Bible reading. When Moses got the Ten Commandments from God, he went up into the mountain. This is actually the second time that happened. So he's up in the mountain with God, 40 days and 40 nights. And it says when Moses came down, that his face was so bright. It reflected so much the glory of the Lord. It literally freaked people out they ran in terror. They wouldn't go near him because, you know, imagine this, you know, one of your friends comes down and his face is glowing. Um, so that's what... Um, I'm sorry, I engaged Siri and didn't mean to do that. <laughs> now I lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. Okay, so his face was just radiant and it was it just it was just um, so bright and, and it was... Um, everyone was just really, really um, upset about that. So he had, literally had to wear, wear a veil over his face for a period of time until over time it, the brightness or the reflection or God's glory diminished. So he didn't need it. But for a period of time he was wearing a veil. So that's what Paul's referring to here. Is that in, in, in Moses in a diminishing sense had to wear this veil. But we are having to wear, so we're with unveiled faces is the illusion there. Um, The second word here is the word contemplate. Um, Now, um, we're looking at the New International Version here. Any of you have a different version and it actually has a different word that's being referenced? Some translations have the word behold. Some translations have the word reflect. Um, Normally, I really, the NIV is my my translation of choice. It's the one I use 95% of the time. Um, in this instance, I think they got it wrong. Given the context of Moses and the veil, contemplate me you usually think I was right to think and reflect than to just kind of like, you know, think about it. In this context, that's not what 's happening. I, I like the word "radiate" is much better or "reflect. So we all who with unveiled faces, radiate the lord 's glory is how I think it's better understood. What does this have to do with worship, though? I mean, we're talking about this, this, about God's glory and radiating. What does it have to do with worship? (laughs) Well, if you actually look at worship, what does it mean? It's very simply to show reverence or adoration or to glorify or exalt. To give honor to is what we usually mean when we say worship. Where do we see worship expressed most easily in the Old Testament? The first time we see it really clearly is the completion of the tabernacle. In Exodus chapter 40, the tabernacle is completed and they're, they're having this dedication ceremony and the, whole, the, the presence of God comes in such a tangible fashion that the priests could no longer even go into the tabernacle, the tent where, the, where God was, that the presence of God was that strong. We see it next when Solomon uh, built the temple So a permanent structure in 1 Kings chapter 8. And during that dedication ceremony, the presence of God again just filled the place so that the priests could not do their job and had to leave the building because the presence of God was so strong in there. So in both of these cases, God showed up, if you will, and his glory filled that place. I just really believe that worship Invites the presence of God, and then in John one, we see that Jesus embodied the glory of God while he was here on earth, so God no longer inhabited a, a temple or a tabernacle or some structure Jesus God walked amongst us for his time the time that he was here on earth, and then, in Acts two and Pentecost, Jesus has now returned, and the Holy Spirit comes during Pentecost. And Paul tells us here, basically in in this passage and others, that from Pentecost on, we radiate the glory of the Lord. When we encounter God's presence in worship, we radiate his glory. See, I'm convinced that the fruit of our worship will be transformation. We begin to look less like us and more like God. Now, someone might say, you know, we don't have to go somewhere else to worship. I mean, God's with us. The Holy Spirit's in us that we are the temple, and why do we have to go anywhere? And his presence is within me, and we really don't need to go anywhere to worship. And that's true, but I think you're missing the point. There's something powerful, something transcendent that occurs when the people gather together to worship God together. Something powerful happens And so if that's true, and I really, really strongly believe that it is, then it's important for us to have a shared understanding for how we should think about our times of worship together. So with that in mind, a couple thoughts. First thought is that worship is in response to who God is. Um, My dad was a pastor growing up. And I've shared some of that in the past. And he never encouraged me to follow in his footsteps. And that's But because my dad was a pastor, I grew up going to church. I just did a, just a really quick calculation. Um, I think I've been to between 3,000 and 4,000 church services in my lifetime. And that's probably uh, uh, on the low end. That's a lot of church services. <clears throat> so... Although I can't tell you time and place, okay? So I'm going to share a couple things here, but I can't can't be specific because I don't have anything in mind. But I promise you I've had these thoughts at one time or another in church. Why can't they ever start the service on time? Ugh, I don't like this song. Why can't they get rid of the feedback in the speakers? The music is too quiet, or the music is too loud, How many times are they going to sing the same song? Does the guy behind me even know he can't carry a tune? (laughs) Why don't these people smile? Does this sermon even have a point? How many tangents can one sermon have? When is he going to stop talking? (laughs) Got warm in here really fast. So. <sighs> so in those instances, do you think I got a lot out of the service? Not much. Probably not much at all. And why is that? Because all of my attention was on what I liked or disliked. It was on me. True worship is not about me. True worship is not about me. It's not about my preferences, and it's not about my feelings. When our worship is shaped by our personal preferences and feelings we become the object of our worship experience. If all we're thinking about is what we like and what we want then our worship, it's all about us and that is just not what it was intended to be. You know, I remember coming from from school one day and uh, having a come to Jesus meeting with my parents over a bad grade that I received in one of my classes and uh, I remember saying to them, I said, it's not my fault. This, this is a really bad teacher. And he really was. Just really disorganized and just, it was not a good teacher at all. But my questions, I'm sorry, my, my parents though didn't just accept my answer, much to my consternation um, and dismay, but they said, uh, they asked me, did you ask any questions in class? Or did you go in for extra help? Did you read all the assignment material?" Their message was really, really clear, and they made it very, very clear. Do not use your teacher as an excuse not to learn. You are responsible to learn the material, it's your responsibility, no one else's. So here's the thing there may be a time when not everyone says hi to you as you come into church. You may not like every song that we sing. And there probably will be sermons that might not be directly helpful to you. Even so, you are responsible for your own worship of God. It's about him, not about everything else. In the same way, similarly, worship is a response to who God is and not what he does. If our expression of worship is focused on what he does, it means that there are only specific times that he's worthy. So we can only worship God when he provides. Or we can only worship him when we're healed. Or when God somehow shows up in a tangible way. It's only one of those instances that we can worship him. But what about when life isn't going so Well, I read a story not too long about a guy who uh, nearly lost one of his children in a a tragic accident and was in church the next Sunday and during worship was just really thanking God and just acknowledging God, just this gratitude of heart and thank you, God. And just, he he remembered in in reading this, he was saying he just felt God speak to his heart Would you still be able to worship me if your child didn't survive? And it's interesting, in in his writing, he said, I had to stop worshiping because I didn't have an answer. I know what I wanted to be able to say, but I don't know if I could have still worshiped God when this happened. See, when our expression of worship is focused on who God is, we can then recognize that he was always worthy, regardless of our personal circumstances. In Chronicles... The writer says, Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And nowhere does it say if you're feeling in a good mood or if you're having a good day. Again, because it's not about us. It's not about our circumstances. not even about our emotions. It's about him. Um, which is really ironic because I don't know about, about you, but I mean, going through life, I mean, those of you who, you know, who are married or have kids, I mean, some of, your, some of your most stressful days are Sunday morning before church. Um, and getting to church, I, I mean, if we're really honest, it's probably a song or two before some of us are actually, okay, I'm actually done with all the stuff that's the baggage I've been carrying and now I'm free to worship and but do we actually even get there, I think is the question. So the, my first thought is that our worship is in response to who God is. My second thought is this. We worship in surrender of who we are. We worship in surrender of who we are. Um, we have the, the great privilege, my son and uh, his girlfriend Amy are here with us uh, from Pittsburgh and uh, for the weekend. And um, they attend a church that... Um, the same church that Ben Roethlisberger attends, his family. Are, are any of you uh, Steelers fans? <laughs> okay. Sure. Oh, I didn't realize that was really dangerous. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. We've noticed that the cowboy fan spoke up really quick there. But uh, um, uh-huh, I really lost my train of thought here. Okay. Okay. Um, so, anyway, so the turn, and they're involved in both were involved with the youth ministry, high school kids. Uh, Ben's mom um, is really involved with the high school ministry, and uh, Amy was just sharing that that when she first came to to start working with the kids and met her, she had she was she didn't follow she's not a, a professional in sports, you know, so she wasn't following so she had no idea who Ben who what's this, and but her comment was I thought it was interesting she's talking about you know being with her mom. With, with Ben's mom, and that that was very refreshing for her because she knew Amy wasn't just looking for tickets to a game. She knew that, that their interest, their relationship was built on genuine relationship and not what we can get out of her. Sometimes, though we approach God the same way, sometimes we come to worship we come to somehow and get into God's good graces so that we might receive some benefit from Him. That somehow, if we can do everything right and feel right and say things right, then somehow that we can get something from. Him, instead of just coming because of who He is, worship is not about what I can receive from God, but rather what I am willing to give to God. It's why here at Grace Covenant we consider the offering a part of worship it's an extension of it's not just the singing the offering I, and i've said this before the offering what you give your finances your tithes offerings is the most tangible expression of your faith there is nothing more tangible than that cuz you're saying to god you're acknowledging his lordship in your life including your finances god i trust you and as a token of that trust lord i'm giving back to you it's a part of the worship experience can I have that uh, first slide back again, Tim? I want to go back to, oh, it's up there. Thank you. Um, he's really on the ball. Um, being transformed into his image. I just think that's just the coolest idea, being transformed into his image. See, I'm convinced that transformational worship only happens when we internally choose to worship. We have to make a decision to do so. Worship is a choice. And, and it's more than just singing the words. You can sing the words and still not be worshiping. You're just going through the motions. Psalms 103 says, praise the Lord my soul, all oh, my inmost being, praise his holy name. It's a decision. It's a conscious decision to worship transformational worship only happens also as we externally express our worship. When we sing, when we raise our hands. Now, some of us aren't demonstrative. Some of us, the idea of raising our hands or singing loud enough so others can hear us, it's just really uncomfortable. I get that. I do. I really do. And I would never judge so what's happening. I never judge a person about what God might be doing inside a person based upon how they're showing it outside. You know what I mean? So I would I would never hope that any of us would do that because I just don't think that's right. Because some of us are just really wired differently. However, by definition, worship requires the presence of emotion. It does. It's an emotional dynamic that happens within our faith. Our faith should be emotional. Now, not over-the-top crazy emotional, but there should be something stirring within us. There should be an emotional component about that that has significance and meaning and purpose. It gives, it's what gives our faith vitality in life. It's what separates us as people of faith from people who are just religious. It's that emotion. There's a deep, deep-rooted connectedness to our God when we can worship him, when we can express it, Whether it's just in quiet contemplation, whether it's singing and lifting our voices, raising our hands, or whatever expression that might be. But there does need to be some form of an external expression of worship. So, some of you may already notice that we only sang a couple songs up front at the beginning of the service. and, And that was intentional because as we're talking about worship, we thought it makes sense for us to actually have a chance to put it into practice. Um, So Julia and the team are coming back up, and this morning we're going to have a a little bit uh, more time to, to sing and to worship. Let me read to you a passage in Psalm 57. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. May that be our heart as we return to a time of lifting our voices before the Lord. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, Visit us at gracecovenant.org.